Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Girl on Girl with Solo P on her little journey. I was just thinking about how much I miss Sarah the other day. We basically still try to talk like every day if we can. The time difference is a little crazy, but we still try to keep up with each other as much as we can. It seems like she's having the best time, but this is actually the first time I'm going to be sitting down like fully solo with no guest or Sarah, obviously. So it feels like a very reflective type of episode and almost like a mini therapy session, which sometimes I think we all need, even if it is just, you know, speaking things out into the universe, which is exactly what I'm doing (laughs) with all of you. Sarah, if you're tuning in, I miss you and cannot wait to see you when you're back. So I guess I could start with my day, actually. It was pretty productive. I worked from home today and For those of you who don't know, I do work a nine to five marketing job and it's a bit of a hybrid role right now. So I can work remotely, but then I also have some days I go into the office, but today was fairly busy. I got a lot of stuff done and because I was at home, I also had some moments where I could like clean, do some laundry. I rearranged some of my furniture, which felt kind of nice. I did a little bit of yoga, which was very, very relaxing and I loved it. I love those types of days when I feel like you can work, like you're on your laptop, you're getting stuff done, but then you actually feel like you're getting life things done at the same time. So when it comes to the evening, you feel like you're not cramming a bunch. Tonight, I was able to like relax and cook some dinner and I knew I was going to record the pod episode. So I'm recording it at a very, very decent time. And speaking of dinner, guys, this is definitely not sponsored, but HelloFresh, if you want to sponsor us, that would be amazing. But I have been obsessed with HelloFresh. I feel like living as a single person in the city has been pretty expensive. I mean, trying to grocery shop for one is pretty tough. So that's actually what kind of drew me to HelloFresh. I wouldn't say I'm like a bad cook necessarily, but I'm definitely someone who needs instructions. And if the ingredients are all there, I can follow a recipe and it does turn out pretty good. HelloFresh was made for me in that way. I made this really, really bomb sweet potato beef chili and all the portions were just there. And I feel like I have lunch for tomorrow, which is great. Because another thing too, is that with cooking, being a solo person, it's always hard to kind of think right away of, you know, what recipes are you going to be making? And then I spend so much money just trying to make one thing. So I don't know, guys, I would recommend this. So this is just a free promo for HelloFresh. <laughs> but the chili was pretty amazing. What else is happening to me? 
Um, this week, one of my best, best friends in the whole world, Jess, is getting married to her fiance, Alice. And by the time this pod episode comes out, they'll actually already be married. So congrats to both of you. Jess and I have been friends for like, oh my God, 13 years. We met when we were 14 in a grade nine drama class, I think it was. And we just instantly clicked right away. So I got to be a part of Jess's bridal party, which is so fun. And it's just been great, like celebrating this exciting time in her life and yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a beautiful ceremony. So for today's episode, I kind of wanted to leave it up to the listeners. Honestly, I posted on the Girl X Girl podcast Instagram account, just asking like, do you have any questions for me that have to do with queerness in general, women loving women relationships or sex or mental health, self-discovery, anything like that? And I thought this would be a great episode to answer those questions and kind of tie it all into representation and why that matters so much. So a few of you submitted your questions and I want to say thank you so much. And I'm going to tackle them right now with you guys. So the first question that came through was, is it normal to be upset seeing photos of your ex now, but you dated them eight years ago? Honestly, I want to tell you, yes, it is absolutely normal. There's no set time limit as to when you'll be completely healed from or even over an ex. Or even if you're technically over the situation and you don't really wish to be with them again, seeing photos of someone you dated or really, really loved or cared about in the past can be triggering. It doesn't even matter like how long it's been. That's someone who meant a lot to you at one point in your life, or maybe they still do. I always say just never question yourself and remember that your feelings are valid and don't let anyone say otherwise. I'm a person who does feel incredibly deeply, very deeply guys, to the point where I thought it was a fault. You know, the gays love astrology and I am a Scorpio moon and I've read up about Scorpio moons and apparently those who have Scorpio in their moon sign feel things very deeply or deal with a lot of like hurt or they can be very sensitive, which I don't think is a bad thing. The good thing I think about feeling deeply is that I know I have all this care and love in my heart for people and I get affected, right? Because here's the thing with me. I'm a lover. I love love. I love having crushes. I love the feeling of when you first get excited about someone It's just like the best. It truly feels like you're on cloud nine. But what may surprise people, and I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the pod much, but what may surprise people is that I find it really hard to actually like really fall for people. And I I know someone might laugh and be like, Persis, are you kidding me? Like you're a certified lover girl. I don't know how to word this properly, but I have a hard time letting go sometimes. It takes some time for me to heal There's definitely a few girls from my past where it took me a long time to get over them. And sometimes I feel like the reason why it takes me a while to get over some people is because it's pretty rare when I really develop deep feelings for someone. I feel so deeply that when I do really like someone, it's it's kind of like I really focus on them. And when it doesn't work out with them, it sometimes takes me a while to then like meet another person that'll like spark things up for me. I can think of an example actually where there was a girl who I had a bit of a fling with 
on and off for about a year and a half. Nothing ever came out of it in terms of like seriousness or us like actually developing a relationship. But my feelings for her were just very strong and I couldn't really explain why. Then when COVID happened, I was very isolated as we all were. I was feeling pretty lonely. Like, how am I going to meet anybody? We're not even allowed to like go out into the world. And then one summer happened and we started to go out. That's when my spirit started to lift a little bit because we could still do things outdoors. And I started dating, but I was still having a really, really hard time connecting with people, even though I was like excited to date. And I knew like there was nothing that was ever going to happen with that girl from my past, but it still took me a long time. And I want to say things only got better for me a year after that, which maybe, maybe someone's saying like, that's okay. I think that's normal. But for me, sometimes I feel like it, it takes like at least a year or sometimes more for me to kind of work through the healing and then I'm still healing. And then I meet someone else where the excitement comes again. So it took me about a year. It took me about a little over a year from this past girl until I met somebody else who I really, really liked. And we connected very, very quickly. And this would have been in 2021. And that almost felt like to me, a very instant connection. I felt like I knew that person before. It was just very beautiful. When I look back at that situation, I think it's it's very beautiful. But with some people in my past who I did have really strong feelings for, what I would honestly say is utilize the mute button on Instagram. I am a big fan of the mute button, guys, I have to say, because I'm not really the type of person who will block someone or unfollow them, especially if things did end on amicable terms. Whereas if the mute button is there, it does help you because you're not going to be seeing their photos or their videos or anything. And when things didn't really work out with the girl I had connected with a couple years ago, we'll call her G, it was one of those things where I felt like, you know, it didn't happen because it just wasn't the right timing. I wasn't really supposed to. And all of that was fine. But I noticed that I'm also the type of person who is really quick to mask something. So once things didn't really work out with her, I kind of was like trying to bounce back into just regular things. I found myself at the time being really busy because work was insane. I My priorities were kind of like really career focused. And then once things had started to slow down and I had some time off of work and I went on a trip to Vancouver actually. I started to feel myself like actually processing how sad I was. And I noticed I would get triggered when I would see her photos on Instagram. And when I say triggered, it wasn't like any bad feelings towards her. Let me make that very clear. It was just that I was like, shit, I'm sad. Or you know what? I think I'm realizing that I'm not really ready to be like seeing her stuff because it makes me feel some type of way. This is something I've been working through in therapy where my defense mechanism or something I'm really obsessed with doing is like trying to maintain friendships with exes or people who I've dated in the past because in my brain, sometimes I'm like, oh, if nothing bad happened, why would I want them to leave my life? Like I really cared about them. And sometimes that makes sense. But I think it only makes sense if you if you don't have feelings for them anymore Otherwise, I just don't think it's really a healthy friendship, especially if like both of you just want different things. 
And I've been guilty of doing this for many, many years, especially in my early 20s. And I'm getting better now. But this was kind of the last example where I felt like I have really strong feelings for G. I don't want to lose her as a friend, but I'm I'm getting triggered. Clearly, if I'm seeing her Instagram stories and posts and I'm feeling sad, that's a trigger, right? So truly, all I have to say is the mute button was very, very healing. And because I don't have any animosity towards G or anything like that, I didn't want to unfollow her. To me, I was like, why would I do that? That's just not that's just not who I am. And some people may disagree with me, but that's just not my style. I'm not really someone who blocks or unfollows unless something actually like really, really bad happened. So that's why mute comes really in handy. And once I find myself like starting to feel better and not getting triggered, that's when I know, okay, I think I'm doing better. You know what I mean? So just to sum this all up, it is totally normal to be upset seeing photos of your ex, even if you dated them eight, 10 years ago. I'm even, even for me, right? It's, it's been a couple years and I still get triggered here and there because I think if I'm being real, realistic with myself, I still have some like unresolved feelings. And I think that's also normal. I don't need to be like beating myself up for it. I think that's just a part of my journey and it doesn't mean that I'm like not open to meeting others and I it definitely doesn't mean that I don't want to date others but sometimes there's certain people in your life who you just really really cared for and to take care of your mental health and to keep moving forward sometimes you just have to hit mute so the next topic of discussion was for me to talk about teens and queerness and self-discovery and how they can get support so I came out as bisexual as a teen and then later discovered I was gay when I entered my mid-20s. As a teen, I struggled with my identity and I definitely masked everything. And as you guys know, I masked my romantic feelings for my best friend at the time, who we call Alice. So my early 90s peers may remember the online forum, Tumblr, and that was a huge creative outlet for me without me even realizing it was. So my advice for teens now would be to look into any queer online forums, websites, support groups, LGBTQ plus youth organizations, and any queer media you can consume, whether it be movies, TV shows, podcasts, aka girl on girl, (laughs) giving ourselves a little plug, or books. I find that reading queer storylines in books are actually really helpful because you can find yourself relating to the characters and relating to their storylines. I remember watching Pretty Little Liars as a teenager and loving Shay Mitchell's character, Emily, who is a lesbian character on the show. And Emily is dating a girl named Maya. And I'm not going to lie, I really, really related to Emily. Like, hands down, I honestly probably considered Maya and Emily's relationship very similar to how I felt for Alice and even at times how our dynamic was. Like, yes, we definitely were not outwardly in like this relationship, but it was definitely a friendship that wasn't 100% platonic. So me having Emily's character was truly life-changing. Shay is a very feminine presenting woman and in the show they don't change her character up in any way and I really appreciated that because 
I feel like I saw someone who kind of looked like me and could apply her experiences to my own life in a very, very natural way. And I was still dealing with a lot of internalized homophobia and was struggling to really accept myself fully for who I was. But then I finally did. And I got to say, it feels really good to just be out and be gay. And of course, if anyone does need support, you can always, always send us an email at girlxgirlpodcast at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at girlxgirlpodcast. And the last question I want to get into is why does representation matter? And what does it mean when women loving women shows get canceled? So there are so many reasons I could list as to why representation matters. I was watching a Shannon Beveridge YouTube video. I want to say it would have been like a few weeks ago. And she brought up something that really hit me. And I think it's really important to say. Shannon mentioned that one of the reasons why representation is so important is because that's why she's alive. And I related to that like crazy. I'm not trying to make this all dark, but without representation, it's very easy for people to feel invisible to the world. If you're not seeing yourself in TV, in movies, online, and your stories aren't being told on podcasts or anywhere you can consume media, it's it's very, very isolating. And for me, growing up in a town like Whitby, Ontario, especially like the time the time I was there when I was a teenager would have been from like 08 to 2013 when I graduated high school. Those times, it was very rare to see queer representation out there. Like I mentioned before, Pretty Little Liars was probably the only modern show I could think of at the time that was really displaying um, queer culture that was like relatable for teens. Of course, we had like shows like The L Word and everything, but that still felt so far removed from just what like my generation was consuming. So we need to continue to have these stories and shine a light on them. You know, I always say if I had shows like Atypical, Ginny and Georgia, like the L Word Generation Q, the new Pretty Little Liars, I could go on and on forever about all these new shows that display queerness. It would be a game changer for me. Like, I really wish I had that type of media to consume when I was 15 because I feel like I feel like kind of back to the last point, my self-discovery would have probably happened a lot earlier than 25. You know, I I could totally see myself confidently coming out as gay, maybe into my later teens when I completely realized that I didn't have a sexual and physical attraction to men. Especially now, there is so much media that we can consume where it goes into like the different types of attraction and gender identity. Representation matters because we need to feel seen. And in terms of what does it mean when women-loving women shows get canceled, I I think you just meant like what happens if a show gets canceled or like why would it? And I don't really have an exact meaning as to why certain queer shows get canceled, but I think generally in that world, TV shows just get canceled because of like low ratings or high production costs. Or the network is maybe going in a different direction. So I think that's like a very logistical 
type reasons as to why they get canceled, but we need to ensure that queer media continues to be out there. And kind of like our last episode with Alexa Rose Vitale, we need to get queer creators involved in many, many projects because this is life. This is real life. These are people's lives and we deserve to have our stories told as well. And hey, I'm still waiting for a story to come out about a gay Indian woman out on TV. I would absolutely love that. And I think that would be so important for the South Asian community. So for this week's In Case You Missed It, I wanted to talk about new Sam Smith. So Matt Ziff, who we absolutely love on this podcast, I cannot shout Matt out enough, posted this on their Instagram because people are absolutely hating on Sam Smith's new music video, I'm Not Here to Make Friends, which is honestly so, so sad. So Sam Smith's new music video has people putting their homophobia and fat phobia on full display. So some of the comments that Sam's video was getting say, I'm absolutely disgusted. Imagine putting this outfit on, standing in front of a mirror, seeing this reflected back at you and thinking, I look amazing. Tam Khan, who is an, I believe an actor, athlete, and entrepreneur, tweeted, what the hell is this disturbing content? The UK government ban a man like Andrew Tate from schools who promotes hard work and fitness, ugh, yet nobody speaks up about this degenerate promoting this filth to the youth. They call this art, in quotations. This should be banned and so should he be. Oh my god, this is extremely shocking that people are saying this. So Matt Ziv goes on to say, to be fat and queer is already unacceptable. But Sam Smith being fat and queer and happy is what sends people over the edge. Watching someone live their best life while embodying an identity that society deems wrong is triggering to people who are miserable with themselves. Both of these people express themselves in ways deemed societally unacceptable, as they should, but the reactions to them are consistently very different. And I think we'd all benefit from asking why that is. So for context, in this slide... There is a photo of Harry Styles on the left and Sam on the right, and both of them are wearing, like, very raunchy, in quotations, outfits. And kind of like Matt said, it's what people would deem as, like, societally unacceptable. But nobody really says anything about Harry, like they're saying about Sam. Someone wrote, what happened to 2014 Smith? I refuse to believe this is Sam Smith. Wow. And most of these comments, especially talking about Andrew Tate, like let's let's not even get into this. But someone named Matt said, messed up badly, sick of seeing people trying to push this on everyone. The bloke is very clearly mentally ill. Children will see this as well. Andrew Tate is in jail for nothing and this man isn't vile. It's not fat phobic to say an outfit doesn't suit someone's body is what someone says. Why must revealing outfits be reserved for thin bodies? Why do you think the only way a fat person can look glamorous is being by wearing something totally shapeless? Sexuality is not only for thin people, fashion is not only for thin people, androgyny is not only for thin people, and queerness is not only for thin people. I would love to hear what you guys think, and if you guys got a chance to watch the new Sam Smith video, 
I did. And I absolutely love it. I think it's such a serve. It's beautiful. And I personally think Sam is popping off. He looks amazing in these outfits. And most importantly, he looks happy. And once again, the common theme, why do we care when this is how Sam is expressing himself and he is happy? What's that to us as a society to be judging? Which is like the common theme of what we want to talk about on this podcast. So please, guys, take a listen to the song if you have a chance and watch the video. Let me know your thoughts. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And please don't hesitate to send me DMs if you want me to cover any more topics. But it was really, really lovely chatting with all of you and having this just like sit down reflection time. And thank you to all the listeners who sent in your questions. All right, we will check back in in a couple weeks.